Welcome back, fellow jazz bums. Today, we are excited to uh, have the three of us get together, and we're going to go through the Analog Productions Prestige Series. Each of us have selected five records. We haven't shared what selections we have. I suspect there might be some overlap um, just based on previous conversations, but I'm excited to see what everybody's going to show. Um, before we get into it, remember to like and subscribe, leave comments. If you collect these, which are your favorites? What, which do you recommend people pick up? And we also have our Jazz Bums Discord, which we're going to link in the description. Uh, come and hang out, join. We have a bunch of people on there chatting. Um, and then we also live stream every Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can come hang out with us there. Um, with that, I'm going to kick it over to Felipe to get us started. Okay, Mike, Chris, good evening, everyone. So this video has been like in the making for some time. I was been thinking we should we should do a top five uh, analog productions prestige series. It is a series that uh, dates back to 2012 when analog productions started doing this high quality reissue series, uh, Blue Note, Prestige, Impulse, Verve, starting with Fantasy, and the importance that was the high quality of the releases for sure, plus the availability. Even back then, some of these records are hard to find. They were rare, they're expensive, and uh, they were sitting there for a while, as Chad always says, and then, you know, slowly, slowly, they become desirable, they become expensive. Comes COVID, they slowly reissue them, people just go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Super hard to get. Uh, yeah. Depending on if they find records here, covers there, and, uh, you know, whatever, you have a few seconds to click and buy. Yeah. Now, uh, past three years, we have the whole series in stock. Yeah. Easy to grab. You can just go there. Still, same price, right? Forty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Still so go there. Forty bucks, and you can all, choose. All fifty are in stock right now. So we thought that would be another good reason to do it, um, yeah. because if people want to pick them up, they're all available. Yeah. It was quite funny. I was just chatting with Chris. Like when our when we were buying this, there's no option. Whatever was available, just buy it. And now. Yeah. People can choose, which is a great thing, but can also be a little, you know, since you don't have to buy everything. Okay, what should I do? Where should I start? So I think that's when they re, re, did they re, they started repressing them again in 2022. Right? Before I, then. Was it a little bit before that. It was yeah, I think they announced it like in February of 21. Does that sound okay. right? Yeah, I think so, Chris. Because I remember placing my orders like in May of yeah. 21 or 22, something like this. Well, I remember uh, the first one that they repressed was Lush. I'm pretty sure it was Lush Life. Mm -hmm. And they put up like something on their Instagram or Facebook. And it sold out, I think, within like a couple of hours. Yeah. And that kind of set the tone where people were checking if they were being repressed and restocked every day, multiple times a day. Yes. And when they would, people would like let everybody know and everybody would just go in and buy them. It was yeah. like a mad rush. Well, the, the thing that was funny about that was that they were at first just you know, like either using up jackets they had that they had mm -hmm. left over from the first run or yeah. using up records they had from the first run. So they would put one out and they would have like 200 copies and they would just be gone. Yeah. And that's why I just, I'm probably why Felipe did. We just pre ordered the whole fucking series. Yeah. So all 50 of them. Yeah, I just pre ordered the whole thing. And now I think given the current situation, the current, you know, we can look back and, have done like more critical listening instead of just buying them in a, in a frenzy. Okay, so what do I like? What what does the series 
is comprised of. So I think that's a, that's a good moment for us to look back and and make our um, you know not judgments but our our, our likings uh, in, in the whole series. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and this was very challenging. Uh, I think if I were to have selected five six months ago, I probably would have selected a few different ones. Um, and six months from now, I may select different ones. So the the series is uh, is really excellent. It has a lot of great titles. So this was really challenging. Yeah, and the, just to give a description for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, these are all put up on analog productions, of course. They're all cut from the tapes by Kevin Gray, pressed to QRP. You know, they have the Stoughton jackets. I mean, they're all tip-on jackets. You know, they're kind of this... For me, one of the standards, you know, along with like the tone poets, as for what a, a you know, and then the OJCs, I'd put it in the same category as just kind of the standard $40 audiophile jazz reissue that you want, you know? Yeah. And they're all 33s, so they're not, you know, two discs, which is nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, like Felipe said, the, the first run of them really went up in price. Originals of these uh, can get really pricey plus there's condition issues yeah. and then the, there were ojc's of a lot of these so that was kind of an alternative um to get uh this is you know obviously the the premium package that chris kind of mentioned um and generally i think when people ab them uh these these are considered excellent you know cut records so um and i i, I don't know if chris if you mentioned kevin gray a mm -hmm. coherent cut everything uh so well, he's on all 50 of them and they they all sound spectacular um i think on the last note to just remind people just like you buy the blue note series everything has the blue note label with prestige a little different because they had like the subsidiaries uh new jazz moodsville bluesville kind of representing different tiers if you like or, or niche for a certain type of music kind of guide the buyer listener uh back then so I think that's also a good point to, even though it doesn't have a prestige label, it's in the prestige series because it's within the prestige family. There's 50 in the series, 25 of them are mono and 25 are stereo. They're all kind of from the same era. You know what I mean? For the like most there's part. Not, there's not any like 70s prestige in here or anything. It's all, right. you know, 50s, early 60s. All right. Chris, you want to kick us off? Yep. Okay, so the first one I picked, I'm kind of doing these in my current kind of top five order, and this, I guess, will be the fifth one, but they're all really great. So Nice. I chose this one, Benny Golson, Grooving with Golson. Um, this is on New Jazz. It's from 1956, and it's got uh, Benny Golson on tenor sax, Curtis Fuller on trombone, Ray Bryan on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and, and Art Blakey on drums. I think, I mean, a lot of these are hard bop records, right, but just because of the time period. Yeah, this one really stood out to me um, over a lot of the other ones just because of Curtis Fuller, right? Yeah, yeah. Like his playing on this with Benny is just outstanding. Um, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, and Art Blakey's on drums on that. And I mm -hmm. think what's interesting is Blakey because uh, Benny Golson was a jazz messenger. He was on Monin. Uh, yeah, the the Monin album as yeah. well as well as other albums. Um, and I think what's cool about Blakey is. He supported his uh, his side men to go out and make their own records, and you can see that he plays drums on this. Also on Wayne Shorter's VJ records, he plays drums on a few of those. So even though you know he has the messengers, 
at the same time as this, he's also supporting them um, on different labels with different groups, um, which I think is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. very cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ghost also took care of Lee Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I had to cut it out of my list. I figured that uh, either of you would pick it up. It's I think it's one of the came like the, the latest in the series, right? Uh, when repressed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and I, I think on nail presence. I think Curtis Fuller gives like the perfect touch uh, with uh, our Blake in there and 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 Golson just you know just rise through. It's, it's a great album. It's a great great album. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also I mean the grooving part is true because it's it's hard bop, but it's also I don't know, it's, it's, it's got a groove to it that's just a little different to me than a lot of the other stuff, like the Hank Mobley's, which are great. But I agree. They're just, just kind of separated for me than from a lot of the other stuff. I agree. I yeah. think this one almost sounds like a Blue Note session. Maybe, maybe the one that is closest to that Blue Note era. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps it's because Benny and Blakey are so tight um, because yeah. they're working elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, that might be a stretch to say, but I, I do feel like this one has that Blue Note sound more than the other ones that I was listening to today. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, Rudy recorded it, so. Yeah. Yeah, my selections, I think four or five, four of my five were recorded at Hackensack. Yeah. So I'm going alphabetical by first name. So no, <laughs> no, no arguments there. And uh, this is a record. Uh, this is a guy that took some time for me to get into him um, just because, I mean, I think the ideas were a little different. Uh, and my first choice to start with was not the best one, I think. But when this, when I got this record, I can, wow. This this blew me away. It's not like the most advanced or the most, you know, um, I wouldn't even say out there, the most, um, you know, ahead ahead of his time. A record is, is a pretty standard uh, hard bop session. But the, the music here, what these guys are doing, uh, Eric Dolphy, Freddie Hubbard, Jackie Byard, um, George Tucker, which was part of the Harold Parlin trio, and Roy Haynes. I think all these guys together, like, pretty much geniuses of their own instruments. He's a record played to perfection. I think Hubbard and um, and and Dolphy, they, they complement themselves so much better, so 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 well here. It's it's great. It, to me, it was one of the first ones to really, really catch me and click with uh, Eric Dolphy. Uh, not as great as out there, I think musically. Uh, it doesn't even get closer to, to out to lunch. But still, I think it's a great introduction, and uh, the music here is outstanding. Not so advanced, but it's really outstanding. No, that's a great point. It's a great one, Felipe. I mean, that's his first record. That's his first yeah. record that he recorded as a leader. I love yeah. that record. It's amazing. And, and you're right. You know, it's funny. I think back to when we got these records, right? Like, we were struggling with that kind of music. Not, not, not this one's particularly, but like Out to Lunch, you know? Yeah, like to me now, I think for the three of us out to lunch is just like a normal record, probably. But <laughs> sure as hell wasn't two years ago when we were all you know listening, you know, buying this stuff and listening to it together and talking about it on on Facebook and shit. You know, I think also like this this uh, made an impression on all three of us because Dolphy plays bass clarinet, which I think we all it was just it was just different than a lot of the stuff we were listening to. He also plays flute and then alto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think like when we look at these 50, um, the, the, this, like the, the Dolphy kind of two or three that were put out, 
are do kind of stand alone because of just the instrumentation's different uh, and the compositions are are different. Um, I agree with Felipe. I wouldn't say like this is like you know out there, even though it's called Outward Bound. Um, I do think this is probably one that you know a lot of people would enjoy. Um, but yeah, I think it, it does kind of stand alone. It's cool. It's called Outward Bound because it was like where he was headed, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had a he had a mindset for sure. So I'm doing mine chronologically by recording date, not by release. Um, right. And this one, I my, my initial five, this was not included on it. I wasn't going to include any of the miles, even though you know those are great records. Um, but I did decide to include this um, because I think the I think it's a cool session. It's a compilation. It's not necessarily like like one inch is on side A and another ten inches on side B. It is more of a, a selection. Bags Groove takes up the full side A. There's take one and take two. And take one was put out on another record. Um, a couple, I think a couple different variants. Um, and yeah, that side has, uh, the lineup is, I think that's the side with Felonious Monk. And then who's on organ? I think it is, hold on, I got it right here. Okay, so the Bags Groove side, it's Milt Jackson on Vibes. This might be my favorite Milt Jackson, and I haven't heard all Milt Jackson stuff, but the stuff that I have heard, his vibes sound incredible on this. Um, so he's on it with Thelonious Monk, per Percy Heath, and Kenny Clark. So that's the Bags Groove side. So you get two takes of that. And then on the other side, you get Miles with Sonny Rollins, Horace Silver, Percy Heath, and Kenny Clark again. So I just picked this one because the music's great. Bags Groove is you know one of my favorite jazz standards. Love that song. Obviously named after Milt Jackson. His nickname was Bags. And uh, yeah, and there were so many great players on this. And I don't shy away from the comps. Um, I know a lot of people, um, you know, they, they prefer to have like a single session or a couple sessions with the same guys um, for kind of a 12-inch LP. I don't really mind that so much, especially when you get... So, this, so these recordings were from... 19 there are two sessions from 1954 so like when when it when it's kind of in the early of the 50s you're not going to get like full 12 inch releases i don't think that happened until i think prestige started putting out 12 inches in 55 or 56 and that's why you see a lot of those just being two 10 inches or or comps um yeah. and i think those are great uh they're just great ways to get those 10 inch records so this one also sounds phenomenal it's uh i think the whole series sounds good, but there are some that kind of uh, are are kind of the top tier. And I, I think um, Groove is definitely one of them. And for a recording from 54 from Hackensack, I mean, it's incredible how this thing sounds. Really excellent. So uh, this is definitely one to check out. It is definitely one of the best sounding, I think, in the series. I also think that anytime you have Monk involved in a project, you're bound to not have a full album. It's just a fact of life, man. With Monk back in the day, you know, yeah, uh, stuff that that they it took forever to get a record out of that guy sometimes. But no, it's it's a great sounding record. I love that one too. It's really great sounding. I had the same impression when I when I got mine first. Um, you can hear like if your system is like set up and you're sitting on the right spot, you can kind of feel the musicians moving around towards the microphone back and forth. And people might say whatever, but. Those vibes there, they sound better than any Bobby Hutcherson record I've ever heard. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Sound-wise, uh, I mean, honestly. Right? They they do sound, even like if, if people aren't that into vibes, give give Bags Groove a listen. Yeah. Yeah. You're not about you just to get your, right, your life corrected, you know? 
<laughs> coming in for a big win with the rest of the team. This will, this will help correct it. <laughs> All right. Round two. This one blew me away the first time I heard it. Um, all morning long, the Red Garland Quintet. I like this more than all the other. I mean, Simeon's is a Coltrane record, really, but I think I like it better than all the other Coltrane stuff in in, in the series. Um, it's it's kind of a jam session record, right? It's got it's got um, three songs on it: two on the first side and one on the second side. Um, and there's some other ones too that are kind of like jam records, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's really considered a jam record, but I mean, it's it's similar to the ones that are named that we've talked about before. Is it? So anyway, you got John Coltrane. Donald Byrd, Red Garland, George Joyner on bass, and then Art, Art Taylor on drums. Um, I don't know what it is about this one. It's from 1958. It just it just stands out to me. Again, yeah. it's just kind of a standout record from the rest of the series. George Joyner, he was um, bass player in Ahmed Jamal's, I think it's like second trio. Um, okay. So he played a lot with Ahmed Jamal. Um he played with Red Garland on a bunch of albums, Lou Donaldson, Dolphy, George Coleman. Um, I just looked him up because I'm not I'm not too familiar with him. I haven't dove into Ahmed Jamal's catalog um, enough to uh, to be familiar with him, but I think it's a great record. The track uh, "All Morning Long" is 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's 20 minutes, and they just stretch like crazy. It's like you know I think it's one of the best jam session. Um, records on prestige and prestige is kind of known for having those jam sessions where like i forget um the producer would pick up the guys in like new york they'd go over to like rudy's and whoever was there kind of played for the day and they you know played standards and they took long stretches and made up a lot of those prestige records um, and they're kind of known as jam session records i really like this record and i think that the jam session uh that you emphasize is, is really true it's a yeah, it's a great record for you to like close your eyes and just dwell into because it is it is really good. It's well recorded as well, and it's one of my favorites too, Chris. But uh, I kind of guess it would be your pick, so I did not pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> I have one Moodsville now. As uh, as Eric Dolphy, there's a bunch of uh, Gene Ammons uh, records in the series. So I picked uh, one of the last ones that I got. Um, this is called Nice and Cool. Oh yeah. I like this one. It's like a very more like on a, on a ballad size, very bluesy, very, it sets like a nice, relaxed mood. Uh, if you see the band itself, it's Gene Ammons, Richard Wyans, piano. Uh, Richard Wyans, he played with Count Basie, he played for Ella, many other bands. Of course, Doug Watkins on bass and JC Hurd on drums. Uh, he's like an old school guy. Uh, he's more like on the, on the, from the B-pop area. So they're playing this, this, um, you know, standards uh, on a very bluesy, calm. And Gene Ammons has a tone that you write. Any Gene Ammons record kind of relaxes you, takes you somewhere else. And I think uh, this, is, this is one of, of those that I like a lot. There's everything in the series is great, but uh, I like this one. If you want to like relax and have a good time and enjoy some really well played and soulful music, I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love that one. Um, Moodsville is interesting because it's like you, know, you think of mood music, which is kind of a negative connotation because you know, it was, it's like crappy, easy listening, jazz ish stuff mm-hmm. yeah, around that time, right? It was called mood music, but yeah, yeah, that one's just beautiful, man. Just super chill, and and Gene's tone is 
just like butter, man. It's it's great. I love that record. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great. I I don't have that one. Um, and I forgot to mention that I have a few of these records that are different press. So I didn't like I have Bob Tanner uh, and a Bergenfield pressing. So that may have been something I would have included, but I decided to only show the APs that I have. Um, same thing with like Quiet Kenny. I have the Mono Record Store Day. That one was certainly one to to take a look at as well. And there, there's a few other ones too. So I did limit myself in that regard, but I don't have that Gene Adam, Ammons and I do want to check that out now. Next up, we have, we're moving on to 1956. So, or I'm moving on to 1956. Bags Groove was 54. This is also recorded at Van Gelder's. And this is uh, one of the Jackie McLean's that are included in the series. Um, I was struggling to select this one or four, five, and six. I decided to go with this one um, just because I think I, I could be wrong. I think this might be his first lead record or it, it's definitely an early one. And mm-hmm. it's Prestige 7035. Yeah, so that is, that is pretty darn early for the 7000 series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool that they, uh, they released it. It has um, Jackie McLean, uh, Donald Bird on trumpet, Elmo Hope on piano, who is incredible on this. Um, Doug, Doug Watkins bass and then Art Taylor drums. So killer quintet here. Um, and it's uh, it's definitely, I don't know. I feel like Jackie McLean's tone on this. It's, it's, it's one of, uh, in terms of like his career, because he his style changes over the decades. But the early stuff is kind of where I really started to gravitate to when I was getting into Jackie McLean. Um, and this one, this uh, record in particular. So um, this was one of my entry points into, you know, really diving into his catalog. So this one is definitely one to uh, check out. It has a really cool cover. I was trying to look up to see if there was a story around the lights title and the cover itself. Uh, I thought I heard that there was, you know, that there was a story around it, but I couldn't find it before the video. So if you guys know, or if anybody else knows, drop, drop that story into the chat, please. But awesome. yeah. Um, so yeah, they do a foggy day. Uh, they do lights out, kerplunk. Uh, I'm not sure in terms of compositions. Yeah. So, so there's two, there's three McLean compositions, two Don bird, and then they do a foggy day, which is a standard. So it's got a good mix too, but this one's really good. Four, five, and six is great too. And then Jackie's pal is pretty neat too. Oh yeah. I have a, I have another pressing of that. What do you think about Lights Out, Felipe? I like it. Uh, I think um, from from the ones in the series, that's my favorite, uh, Jackie McLean. Yeah, yes. cool. I think that's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I'd probably pick that one too. I've been just thinking about it. I mean, it's hard. There's 50 records, so you know. Yeah. All right. Figuring what they all are is tough, but I, I think that might be my top pick. Out of the, I think there's three Jackie McLeans. Um, but, I can think of off the top of my head anyway. Uh, yeah. I think the horns are great, but you know the the rhythm section, what they're doing there with Doug Watkins and Elmo Hope is just amazing. Elmo Hope is really good on it. Yeah, right. he's kind of yeah, he's kind of my favorite part. Um, Jack also amazing too, but uh, four, five, and six. That one has Hank Mobley, Donald Byrd, Mal Waldron, Doug Watkins, and Art Taylor. So that's that's also a really cool lineup as well. Elmo Hope kind of sets this one apart, though. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, still alphabetically keeping with the uh, keeping with Jackie. I'm gonna put Jackie's pal here. Oh, All right. Sweet. It's not the best of those, like by the critics, uh, you know, reception and stuff. 
So it's pretty much the same band that uh, Mike just uh, referred for uh, four, five, and six. You have Mal Waldron, Paul Chambers, Philly Joe instead of uh, Art Taylor. Art Taylor, yeah. Uh, actually, one of the criticisms that Philly Joe is not as tight with other bands. He was not playing with Jackie as usual. So this is a weak point here. But I think it's really cool that he introduces Bill Hartman. Introducing, uh, yeah. it was you know they they they, they played together frequently. Uh, Bill Hartman was kind of more like a sideman kind of, kind of person. He was not very, you know, into the scene. So I think it's pretty cool. It's, it's a nice cover. The music is, is, is good. It's not like outstanding, excellent, but I think it's like uh, pretty nice and, and warm. And, um, you know, and I like my water. Anything with my water, I like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah, I really like that one. I mean, it's got um, Bill Hartman's a great player, man. Underrated player, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoy that one. Oh, man, it's so hard. Okay, so I'm going to go with this one out there, Golfy. Um, it's on New Jazz. What year is this? 61, I think. 1960. I think it was like the same year or shortly thereafter, Outward Bound. But this one's different to me. This one is amazing just because it's got so it's got Eric Golfy playing alto sax, flute, B-flat clarinet, and bass clarinet. Mm-hmm. And then Ron Carter on cello, George DeVivier on bass, and Roy Haynes on drums. Yeah. And uh, to me, the cool, the coolest, the coolest part of this is it's really Eric Dolphy and Ron Carter kind of exploring, right? In my opinion. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Duvivier is just kind of, you know, they're keeping the kind of the straight man bass lines going the whole time, right? But then it's just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just such a cool record. Um, yeah. And the cover's badass too. I mean, like it's like I don't know what the hell's there's a metronome there, I guess, and. <laughs> The cover is crazy. Oh, yeah. Like there's a flying bass and cello or a hi hat, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is musically one of the one of my favorites out of the whole series. And again, it's there's there's like atonality here, but there's not like a bunch of just straight up dissonance, if that makes sense. Like yeah. it's all the stuff that Eric did on um, on Prestige is is way before Out to Lunch. Yeah. Right? So Out to Lunch is you know, much farther uh, on the outside of the norm than, than any of these records, but yeah, anyway. yeah, but it's very musical too, right, Chris? Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a straight there's a straight baseline and drums going most of the time. It's like yeah. just kind of in the freaking atmosphere mm-hmm. of what consider normal music. So yeah, yeah. I like that one. Kind of easy to follow. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I- I yeah. think um, I, I just have the uh, the wiki up, and it says that this is one of uh, Ron Carter's earliest records. Makes sense. Good place to start. Yeah, it's it just really interesting to me, like bass clarinet plus cello plus bass plus drums. Yeah. You know, it's just – and then, then another one will be like this really beautiful – I'll tell you, Eric Dolphy's flute playing is just gorgeous too. Like he can go just super weird and kind of honky yeah. with bass clarinet and stuff, and then go just fiery blasting with the alto, and then just have beautiful flute playing all on the same record. All right. Well, this will be short because it's already been shown, but it is uh, Red Garland's All Morning Long. We kind of already dove into it, but definitely, I think this is one to get out of the series. 
it's it just has a like a uniquely prestige sound because it is a jam session and i think it is one of the better ones um the lineup is great and uh and the soloing is great um so this this is definitely one i think to pick up out of the 50 um so i think well, that band sounds really tight for being a jam session yeah and there are other jam sessions in the 50 here and then obviously there's other ones but this is i think the best one um because there's there's all night long with the blue cover and that one's good that one's good but i think this one i, I like this one better me too number four uh the 1956 session is at 70 80. the young bloods i had to pick this record oh nice I think the cover is badass. It's one that took some time to, to be reissued. We're kind of expecting uh, this record to be out there. So it's Donald Byrd, Phil Woods, Al Hay, Piano, Teddy, Kotick Bass, and Charlie Percip Trance. That's the, the, the usual band that they, they were playing those days. And uh, I think it's one of the early, earliest Phil Woods records. And uh, and he's just killing it. He, he writes four, four of the tracks uh, in the album. Has a major participation. That's why his name even ended up being in front of Donald Byrd's name, mm. uh, which was not uh, the initial plan. But uh, you know, I think that's a very straight uh, hard bop session. Uh, great musicians, great presentation too. I think Kevin Gray's work here again. It's amazing. This record sounds beautiful, and, and I, I just like few words. I think his his tone is just great uh, in his prestige and all his later work. 60s, 70s. I mean, he, he he's always delivering. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course he is, man. It's Phil Woods. It's Phil Woods. <laughs> you, I, didn't know, pick that, I didn't pick that one just because I didn't want to be cliche and pick a Phil Woods record, you know. Yeah. To... yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, a funny fact that I just, uh, I was reading, uh, I tell you guys, I'm reading uh, Bill Evans' uh, uh, biography, and the author in, in the in the intro is talking about how he collected all the interviews about Bill Evans and about his, his life and everything. And he said, the only guy that declined to, to give me an interview was Phil Woods, and, and his reason was, whatever I have to say about Bill Evans, I'm going to put it in my own book. <laughs> man that's ruthless right <laughs> and, and he, yeah, he he ended up uh, writing his, his own book that, that was funny <laughs> now does phil woods he had a couple in the 50 uh right of the 50 there were like one or two or three yeah i have woodlore which is a great record too. And woodlore. yeah woodlore is great too yeah now that that record's kick ass man and everybody knows that i love phil woods so well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a copy of that record, Mike? No, I didn't get any of the Phil Woods. I was very selective. <laughs> They're still in stock, bro. You can you can correct. I might get it. So, yeah. what was the other one? That oh, uh, the Gene Ammons and then the Phil yeah. Woods. I need to, I, I need to um, revisit those. Yeah. I honestly, I just you know, after I think I bought twenty five of them. Then I have other pressings of some other ones. So. I just was just investing so much that I just I had to be selective. So, but it might be time to to revisit. Well, I mean, just to take a, a short pause on that, people, you should buy these records if you have interest in owning them. Because, I mean, I'm not going to say buy now or cry later, but like, I'm not sure they're going to be able to repress these again. Like, yeah. all these eggs are not just handing out licenses to to press these series again. I was we were surprised when this happened to begin with a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, all these records, I'm not even all of them, but most of them are 100, 150 bucks a piece. Yep. Right? Yeah, 
the AP, the AP ones, yeah. Yeah. Least, yeah, oh yeah, before they were reissued, you know. So, yeah, I had to go with another Dolphy. So, Sarah Dolphy, the five spot we mentioned it briefly earlier. Um, it's him with uh, you know, uh, book he plays alto and alto sax and bass clearing out in this one. Um, then it's book little on trumpet, Mal Walter on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and Ed Blackwell on drums. Um, this was kind of one of his one of the big the the you know one of the working bands that he played with right um maybe the best working band he played with um yeah i mean booker little died shortly after this this show this was in 61 i believe yeah it doesn't say yeah 61 recorded in 61 it's live at the five spot recorded by rudy he brought his gear in and recorded it and as mike was saying earlier there's actually they ended up with three records there's the volume one of this volume two and the last one was called um um eric Dolphy memorial or something like that right yeah. um but mike let's let's so anyway the reason i picked this one obviously it's kick-ass i really like it because it shows this band that was playing together all the time right they were playing together every night they were working not just recording you know showing up and recording um a, a session so highly recommended um i mean look at the people are on this thing you can, i know you, just can't, you can't go wrong dude i mean and we just we just lost Richard Davis. We just did um that live stream dedicated to him. That was yeah, that's one of his uh, earlier sessions. And um, do you guys have volume two for this one? Mike does. Well, I yeah. have uh, not oh, to go too deep into this. This is a, a box that I think came out in like '74. Uh -huh. uh, a little beat up here, but it's the Great Concert, and it's three disc, yeah. and it has all three of the records here. So. And I think yeah. they put out so uh, analog productions. Did did they put out the first two? You can get just just, just oh, one. Okay. Yeah. I have those other two as blue labels, and they already sound amazing. You know, and it's, it's great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. This box is not that expensive. Last time I checked, maybe a year ago, but this is like very affordable. The records sound good. It's a really good way to pick up everything, and it has a nice insert. Let me see who writes it. Yeah, I had that and I sold it to ten cent, and I regret it still. Is, is it a green label, Mike? Ira Gittler does the the liner notes. So, mm -hmm. um, what's that? Is it a green label? It is green label. So they come out on these, which I've, you know, I I do like these pressings. Yeah, they sound great. Yeah, they're good. Um, they're kind of like precursors to OJC almost. The, I think like. Maybe George Horn. I, I could be wrong with that, but um, they sound really good. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a good way to pick up these records for sure. Okay, so next I'm going to show one more variation of the Prestige, which is a, a record that struck me from the very first day I, I bought it. And I, I think it deserves to be here. It deserves to be mentioned. And, uh, you know, it's a blues view. Mm. So, oh, I think I know which one it is. Okay. With this blues. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. This thing yeah. is killer. It's it's. I mean, people talk a lot about you know muddy water things, but I, I think the Willie Dixon stuff is oh, it's as good as or if not better. Uh, it's a great band here. Uh, Memphis Lim on piano, which shares uh, credit uh, on the title with him because he plays the whole record. Gus Johnson guitars, Wally Richards on gu drums. Sorry, Wally Richards on guitar. Al and Harold Ashby tenor saxophone. Uh, this record was released in 1959. It was his very first record and probably his best. The sound is, is like very dark kind of blues, you know. I mean, the themes are always a little dark and, and, and melancholic, but I mean, the way they, the presentation here, you get the echo, you feel like you're in the room with them, you kind of feel the same feelings with, with them, you know. 
and uh, and here's there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know those British guys stole in the seventies and say that they, they invented rock and roll. <laughs> That's a great one. They have the uh, original blues classic version, um, but it, it is a great album. And uh, that first track where he he stutters when he sings mm-hmm. is incredible. Right, love that. Yeah. yeah, I love the record too. Um, that's a good point, though. I mean, what is there five, six, seven blues records in five. the 50s? Some of the yeah. Yeah, Lightning Hopkins stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hold on. I could share my screen real quick. Um, here we go. <laughs> so, the five blues are the Lightning Hopkins going away, which I have a copy of this. It sounds really great. Mm-hmm. Um, this Jimmy Witherspoon Evening Blues, another Lightning Hopkins. This one, Chad. Uh, said that it's a needle drop um i've heard yeah. it still sounds really good um yeah on the willie dixon you just showed and then there's another lightning hopkins if i was going to pick one though i thought we picked on the fully Paytas show for sure yeah i thought you were going to pick the uh the lightning hopkins going away until you showed i forgot that that was part of the series to be honest there's a lot of hype about lightning hopkins but i like willie dixon much better much yeah better. that's 100 percent. That, that's the best out of the five i think right yeah and willie played because he, I think he played um, on records for Chess, um, and because of that, Argo was kind of Chess's jazz label, and he plays on at least. I have one jazz record that he's on at least, and I think it's with Grant Green and uh, an organ player. I forget which one, but anyway, he's great, great bass player. I picked the Benny Golson, grooving with Golson. I do think this is a standout session of the fifty here. I mentioned earlier. You know, it might be too strong to say it sounds like a blue note, but it does, it does like kind of have a certain type of groove and feel, um, rehearsed feel to it that I think is a little different than some of the other prestige sessions. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, we kind of went over it earlier, so we don't need to, to revisit, but uh, this one I definitely recommend picking up. And when it first came back, I didn't select it because I think like four or five or six titles came back and I just couldn't afford to buy them all. So I picked like three and I left this and it sold out that day. And I regretted not including that. Um, and that, so when it came back, I had to pick it up. So I got this. Yeah, we climbed on Mike for like a year. But he didn't have it. We did forever to come back. Yeah, it did. Uh, that's a great cover too. It really does. Yeah, great cover. All, All these right. have really beautiful covers. Yeah, the covers are amazing. All right, so my last one is the last record they released. This is my oh, favorite yeah. of fifty. Nice. Ever in Freedom Book. Um, it's like a it's a, a Bob Hard Bob session. But it's got so it's got Booker Everett on tenor sax, Jackie Byer on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and Alan Dawson on drums. And everyone knows anything with Richard Davis and Alan Dawson is fucking kick ass. It's going to sound a little bit out there, right? Like, I think it's, I mean, it's those two guys and Jackie Byard too, right? Like those three dudes. Um, like I said, it's a hard bop record, but it's got some, some essence to it, man, you know? And then I think Booker Everett's just like a tough, kind of rough tone. It just kind of fits in there, so I think this is the best out of all fifty. Yeah, but, and there are, there are a few other Booker Irvins that are on the series too. Yeah, just, I agree. That's my favorite one. Yeah, it's it's really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this guy's from Denison, Texas, too, man. So he's a Texas <laughs> Texas tenorman. So you know. nice. Yeah. yeah. We all like this one. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the very last one, right? Because like. Mm-hmm. 
counting down every single day. Oh, there's going to be a release. Oh, it's never, it's never there. And it finally came. And um, it was, yeah, it was really, really worth it. Um, I'm, 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 but to be honest, I'm glad that this thing is done, you know. I don't have to worry about this anymore. My, my credit card is happy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to. Yeah. Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, if you pre-order a shit ton of records from Acoustic Sounds, since they're, or, you know, yeah, Acoustic Sounds, since their website is, like, from the 1900s, I guess, if you... It was like two grand, right? It was like two thousand dollars to buy off fifty records, and so every time they would ship one, they would whatever the amount you had left, they would charge that to your credit card temporarily, and then they would charge you the forty bucks. So you know, I kind of know where my debit card gets like an eighteen hundred dollar charge on it. I don't, you know, after like two months of nothing, it's like boom, eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, so my my checking account didn't even have that much in it a couple of times, so I had to call them and say, "Run it again, man!" Like. Take my eighteen hundred dollars out for a day, so you can get your forty dollars. Uh, so yeah. I'll probably never do that again. Yeah, not ideal. The only yeah. advantage was a, a single time um, shipping fee. True. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, the shipping was like twelve bucks or something for the whole series. That's true. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it should be free. Just spent two thousand dollars. It's funny, like so. So I was buying them as they were coming back in print. And sometimes it would just be one. So to get it, acoustic sounds used to have free shipping over 50 bucks. Right. So I would get one and then I'd, I'd search around the, the site, like for like a, a classic series or something like that to add on to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and now I think shipping is a hundred bucks. So you'd yeah. have to get three to three of these to qualify for free shipping, which is, which yeah. is unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, um, I, mean, yeah, I had, that was I had an order the last time order I had that I wanted to order the uh, Mingus, I think, and then some other record. And it was like a $60 record and a $39.98 record. Yeah, exactly. Two, two cents short of the free shipping. I was like, Come Well, that's on, what man. music matters. Like, they used to have, I, I think it was like $100 for free shipping. Yeah. And I would get like, a fifty nine ninety nine and like a thirty nine ninety nine one, and it'd be two cents under the free ship, right. <laughs> and they wouldn't give it to me. So right. it, it's kind of like you have to. I don't know. Yeah, you guys do two hundred bucks for shipping. I think. Yeah, like yeah. do you guys sell candy? Can I yeah, exactly. put a candy there? <laughs> yeah, can I, can I get a sticker for two cents? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, I have my last one here, and pressure yeah, uh, last record of the show. This one is really good, really strong. Um, this is the tenor scene. Oh, yeah. Griffin. This is a live record at Milton at Minton's um, with Junior Mance, Larry Gales, and Ben Riley. So it's a little bit of a different lineup from the rest. Uh, this one sounds really good. I even hesitate to say this because I don't want to turn anybody off. It's just it could, because it's live, it's not going to sound as perfect as some of the studio sessions, like the Grooving with Golson, but it really sounds fantastic for a live session it, it, you know I, I i i mean i'm picking it and recommending it it sounds you know it's very good um and yeah i was just listening to this today when we were kind of going through everything and this is from i think 61 or 62 and they do straight no chaser so that's a monk tune let me see what else is on here um so they do a couple lockjaw songs uh, a dizzy gillespie song woody and you uh, I remember April, which is a standard, and then Straight No Chaser, which is Monk. So they do a, a good mix of songs on this. It's fantastic, and I do pick. I, I picked it because a lot of these, like 
like the Dolphies or the Booker Ir Booker Irvins, um, the the Gene Ammons, like they all, you know, they really have a distinct sound. Um, I will say, like these Prestige series, they give you a variety of styles. Although, I mean, a lot of them are hard bop. They're they're still varied within that genre, subgenre, um, and this is an example of that. So, this one, you know, if you're familiar with uh, Lockjaw's Johnny Griffin, it's you know right up their wheelhouse. It's got a killer groove to it, and yeah, it's a really good one. Do you, what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, really good one. You're really, really good. Yeah, I think it's a great choice because it's kind of in line with what I was trying to pick out. You know, mm -hmm. they're all done. I mean, like Michael was saying earlier, there are some straight up warhorse titles in this series, like, uh, you know, oh, shit. Saxophone Sax like you yeah. said. Um, yeah. What's the Coltrane? I've gone blank. Um, oh, Lush Life? Lush Life. What's the other one? Soul the, Train. There's a bunch. There's a Coltrane, Coltrane. Right. Um, you that know, one's really cool. I like oh, that yeah. one. I, I, I thought I was going to pick the Coltrane self-titled because uh, Shahib Shahab's on it, which, you know, makes it, you know, kind of special. Well, do you have any runner-ups that you want to talk about? Yes. I didn't pull anything. I didn't pull anything. But I do have one that I, that I did want to mention, and it's the um, it's the Tommy Flanagan Overseas. And the reason why I mention it, and it may not be the only one. I think there might be like a George Wallington. But it's it's one of the few, if not the only, trio in the batch. Yeah. So that alone, I think, makes it really cool um, because they're very, you know, they're 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 um, sextets or quintets, uh, horn heavy. I mean, some of them like tenor enclave have like four tenor sax players or yeah. two altos and two tenors. So there, you know, lots of players on these. So the fact that this is a trio really does make it a little different. Yeah, I mean, this was in my top five this morning. Yeah, and, I it out. and then this one, of course, you know, it's just insane. Yeah. Really colossus, yeah. Colossus. Another, I think this was going to be my number six place, though. Yeah. Taylor's Whalers. This is great. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. 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 You should always try the Taylor standards. They should have done Taylor standards. That one is. Oh killer. yeah, yeah, and that's like impossible to get. That's a killer one, and. Uh, and and I think on on a runner up I would add um, steaming. I think that record sounds spectacular. The music is spectacular. I mean, it's it's a winner overall. If you don't know, if you got one, grab steaming. Yeah, that's the Miles Davis quintet. Yeah, and they do salt peanuts on that, and the drum solo on it is fantastic. It's just a great yeah. Uh, yeah. rendition. I'm gonna show this one now. Fuck it. Oh yeah. Just a second ago. So this one is. Uh, Jazz for the Carriage Trade, George Wellington. This is early, too, 70-35, so it's before that Jackie record. Oh, wow. This one, too, has Donald Woods and uh, Donald Woods. Okay. Bill Woods and Donald Bird on it, right? Mm, yeah. Really cool record. Um, another one that I really love is that Elmo Hope, um, Informal oh, yeah. Jazz. I think that's probably one of the – if you were doing top ten, I'd put that in my top ten probably. Yeah. I mean, they're all good, man, like – Check out the records. Check out the records, and if you like, if you if you stream them and you like the music, buy them because yeah, they're gonna be kick ass. Yeah, you know. yeah. Cool. All right. By now, dude. <laughs> Later, man. All right. Well, any other any, uh, last thoughts here before we close no. out? No. Again, I think uh, any title 
was really well uh, curated in, in the series. There's a couple missing in like in any list. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, it's it's a great list. I think it's uh, if you can grab them all, grab them all because it's it's gonna be for like posterity. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and prestige records. I mean, you know, the originals can get really pricey. Like a lot of these are are good deals. Forty dollars for these in this quality um yes they're not originals so they don't you know have that but i mean they sound fantastic and the presentation is great i you know this, this is i mean i love the single sleeve compared to the gatefold they're tip-on jackets they're you know they're quiet vinyl so it's got all that going for it yeah, it's pretty heavy they're great yeah 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 and i think they say they're 180 gram but I think they're like all 200 gram actually. Like I've gotten some, um, other people have like done like weight tests to them and they're, they're definitely heavier than 180 a lot of them. But, but anyway, um, so thanks for sticking in here with us. Uh, remember to like and subscribe, leave some comments, let us know what your favorites are, which ones you don't have that you want to get. Um, and yeah, uh, see you guys next time. Thank you.